Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of So Important. This is that quirky little podcast where we don't focus on one topic, we focus on people. I chat with people from all walks of life about something interesting and important to them. If you like Terry Gross's Fresh Air, for example, you will like this podcast too, which is why you should subscribe immediately and give it a great review on iTunes. I'll wait. Now that you've done that, let's turn to our guest, Ms. Kat Morty, the founder and CIO of Feminists for Liberty, a nonprofit organization dedicated to spreading the ideal of libertarianism and feminism. Its motto, as its website says, is simply anti-sexism and anti-statism, pro-markets and pro-choice. On this show, we don't talk politics, but policy is fair game, and I am of the belief that the discussion in this country needs to be broadened. We need to hear many more voices providing many different ways of looking at the world. Cat is one of those voices, and I am very happy to have Cat with us today to tell us a little bit about her organization, but just as important to delve into the philosophy underlying the organization as well as her efforts to spread the word about libertarian feminism. So with that, Cat, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on, Monty. Well, it's my pleasure, and I'm wondering if you could tell folks a little bit about yourself and about your organization. Sure thing. So my name's Kat Murthy. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter under that same name. Uh, so Feminists for Liberty is a grassroots organization. We're working on changing those conversations that we see happening in the libertarian world, in the feminist world, and in the mainstream media about what it means to be a libertarian, what it means to be a feminist, where anti-sexism, anti-statism, pro-markets, pro-choice. And so what we do, we like to go to different uh, events like the Women's March. We host some of our own events. We also do a lot of media. And so what we're really trying to get people to understand is that the history of women's rights is very closely mapped along with the history of capitalism and growing free markets. And we're really trying to create a more equal world, one in which everyone can pursue the life that they choose for themselves, regardless of whatever sex or gender they are. That's a really interesting concept. And I'm wondering if you could draw that out a little bit, the idea that feminism and sexism has been intricately linked to capitalism. So basically, the the history of women's rights has been very closely correlated with the growth of economic liberty. With the rise of industrialization, as women started to get the opportunity to be things like the Lowell Factory Girls, for the first time, women were moving away from uh, their their family farms or small estates where they would often spend their entire lives in these sort of like small cloistered communities. Uh, they didn't get a chance to meet many people. They didn't get a chance to do other things. All of a sudden they were moving into bigger cities. They were earning their own money with that money. All of a sudden they were able to support themselves. They were able to make their own decisions. They had some right over their lives that previously they weren't able to establish when women were blocked from being able to earn money. And I think we see similar things throughout history um, as women have been able to work in more fields as the U.S. government has started adopted the idea that women can own their own property and represent themselves in court. All of this is very closely tied to economic liberty. In fact, those are metrics of economic liberty. Also, as society has become more prosperous, 
we've all done better for ourselves, as there's been uh, more innovation, things like that. Everyone's time, but particularly women's time, has been freed up to pursue things that they're interested in, to pursue education, and a lot of freedom in that too. And um, so one of the things that Feminists for Liberty does compete against as libertarian feminist organization, a lot of people think of the sort of Marxist feminism, but it's a sort of idea that because of markets, because of capitalism, because of monetization, women are oppressed. And so what we're essentially arguing is that's not the case. Markets don't discriminate. People discriminate. People hold these backwards views. Markets simply flow along supply and demand. And so the more so that we put people and people in power over other people's right to make decisions, the more those decisions are taken away from them. When people have more choices over how they're able to live, they're freer. And when people are able to decide for themselves which job they want to work in, how they want to work, uh, what what they want to do with their money, and you know, do they want to start a business? Do they want to buy themselves a house? Do they want to buy a pretty dress? Whatever it is, right? They have more power over themselves. That kind of gets us to this question of where you fit in to what would be a traditional libertarian perspective, as well as where you would fit in with a traditional feminist perspective. It sounds like there's elements of both, but there's also some areas where there's some differences. For me, there is no conflict between libertarianism and feminism. I think that they're very much part and parcel of each other. That said, the reason uh, that we have libertarian feminism is one, there are many other schools of feminism that might embrace more left-wing economics, might might pursue a more state solution, a state-based solution, which uh, we think historically and simply as a matter of philosophy are actually contradictory to this idea of allowing individuals to live their life as they want. Whenever you create a situation in which uh, some governing body gets to decide for everyone, for other people what their options are, they become less free. Now, whether that's the patriarchy or uh, the, the Communist Party Central Planning Committee or whatever else it is, fundamentally, you're still getting to the situation where individuals aren't able to pursue the life that they want, and they're being forced into next best or least best options. And I think as far as libertarianism goes, no true libertarian is actually going to stand against the idea of feminism in as much as feminism is the social, cultural, political equality of the sexes and genders. Regardless of who you are, what your sex is, what your gender is, you have equal opportunity, equal rights to make your own decisions, to pursue whatever career, etc. you want, provided you're not harming anyone else. That said, I think that there's been some unfortunate strains within libertarianism, this idea that, you know, feminism is associated with the left, and therefore we should attack feminism, as opposed to understanding this overlap and working together uh, for these goals. Feminists for Liberty was started as a response to both of these things. One of the things that we're really hoping to do is to show how both libertarianism and feminism really do work together and to demonstrate that to the larger audience. Because I think if you ask uh, somebody out anywhere in the world, they're unlikely to think of, uh, to if they've put much thought into either one, to think of them as sort of similar philosophies, but they really are sounds like overall you found the middle ground where you can elaborate how both of these work pretty effectively. 
Right, precisely. I think that that's sort of uh, more or less our goal. And I think that there is there is sort of this a historical perspective that a lot of folks have where they um, they have this idea that feminism is about uh, female superiority, specifically because they hear the name. And so they're like, well, it has uh, femme in the name, therefore it must be that. Otherwise, why wouldn't you argue for egalitarianism? This is an argument we hear a lot. Well, the reason it's called feminism is because historically, uh, both culturally and in terms of our actual laws, women were placed on a lower ground. They weren't allowed to do the same things. Even today, several countries don't allow women to work without their para- without their father or uh, husband's permission. Over a hundred different countries have some sort of restriction on women's labor that is not applied to men's labor. So those are the reasons that you have the femme in feminism. That said, it's worth mentioning, because I think that this gets overlooked sometimes, that feminism is not just about women. In many ways, when we create the society where sex and gender are not viewed as uh, reasons that your opportunity should be limited or that you should be treated differently under the eyes of the law, men thrive as well. And, uh, and certainly people who don't clearly fall into either bucket as men or women and are very much marginalized by our current society, they actually have the most to gain from a society in which sex and gender aren't treated as the end-all be-all of who you are as a person and what your opportunities and what your capabilities are. Why is it that this is even an issue that men and women are treated so differently in different countries or even in the United States where there's still pay gaps? And obviously, I think you could probably talk about other issues as well. It's kind of a crazy thing, isn't it? It is crazy. It is crazy. I wish it weren't the case. I also think that it's not that surprising. I think that, you know, human history has been long and we've seen a lot of great changes. And I think that overall we've been moving towards a free or better society um, over the whole course of human history. But you have to also realize that where we came from, you know, we, we evolved from animals and there are some differences that arise. I mean, and I think it comes down to reproduction. It's the fact that cisgendered women for the most part bear children and uh, cisgendered men don't. Uh, so certain norms around that arose. And then from there, that sort of uh, continued to expand. I think we're getting to a point in our history where we realize that one, someone's reproductive capabilities are not reflective of who they are as a human. Two, we can function within certain gender roles in as much as it is good for us as individuals in that interaction and also not bind people to those roles when those roles are not working well for them. To bring this back a little bit to something we were talking about a little bit earlier, one thing that a lot of libertarians sort of instinctually rail against with feminism is they see it as collectivism. They see it as, well, because one, they look at it as, oh, you're looking at people just as their gender and that's the problem. But we're not. What we're actually saying is that your gender shouldn't matter. The idea that all women are this or all women think like this or all men are like this or anything like that, that's fundamentally erasing the individual. And a lot of people get hurt. What do you hope to get from the work that you're doing? In the short term, we'd certainly like to see uh, libertarian feminism become much more of mainstream thinking not just within the libertarian world or the feminist world, but really we want to change the conversation around these issues as a whole. 
in a more long-term sense, obviously, we want to change policies. We want to create a situation where law should be gender neutral. We shouldn't have situations where the law where the law is different based upon someone's sex or gender. That's something that's much more common in other countries, but is absolutely still the case in the United States. And that's a concern. I think we're also interested in changing laws around a lot of other issues that feminists or libertarians typically talk about. I'm not sure how much we can get into this, but that's things like, for instance, uh, around sex work, we certainly advocated a lot for against rather against SESTA and FOSTA, which are which are digital regulations, online advertising regulations, really, but were passed under the guise of under the guise of ending sex trafficking, but in actuality have actually created a situation where uh, sex workers are put very much in harm's way and are in a very dangerous situation. So that, for instance, is one policy area that we're working on, and there's many others that arise. Uh, I know you mentioned the gender pay gap a little bit earlier. I think that that's a really interesting one and one that we have a lot of opportunity to work on because both the right and the left talk about this issue a lot. It's very it's very controversial and neither side I think really grasps it. When you talk about the gender pay gap, the left kind of views it as because certain people are women, the people hiring them are paying them less expressly for that reason. Do I think that ever happens? Sure. Do I think that that is on net what is happening? No, I don't think it is. The right, you have this idea of the actual reason is that women are making decisions that cause them to be in careers, etc., that make less money than men. Um, and if you actually do a cost, if you do a comparison, an apples to apples comparison, that gap shrinks significantly. What both of those things are overlooking is uh, what is actually happening, why those decisions are being made, and if those decisions are really freely being made, or what else is going on with that situation. I think one thing that's really interesting here is if you look at millennials, millennial women who um, who are college educated, uh, live in urban environments, aren't married and don't have children, make significantly more than their male peers who are who, who fit in that same demographic. Those choices uh, that you hear the right talk about are women choosing to get married, to have children and to live outside of an urban environment. Well, it's one thing to say like, oh, well, these are choices. But I think that as a society, do we really want to create an incentive structure where deciding to get married, deciding to have children fundamentally hurts your ability to advance in a career to pursue work that you like. And I think that that's not actually uh, the environment that most people want. I think I think also a lot of the solutions to this problem that we see coming from the left, for instance, mandatory uh, paid leave or um, government-funded childcare, when we look at the, situa- at the uh, places where those things have been tried, uh, what we largely see is again, women losing measures of equality. For instance, um, the Scandinavian countries are viewed as one of the most gender equal. They have mandatory paid leave for women. They have, they have also a lot of benefits for new mothers, et cetera, that are provided by the state. They also have significantly lower levels of female managers, female C-suite positions, et cetera, than we see in the United States. What we actually need is to very compassionately understand where everyone's coming from 
and as a society, look at what our instru- incentive structures are and how how labor is divided within our families, within our homes, etc., and uh, what the results are. And I think that that's I, I think that's a microcosm of what libertarian feminism looks at overall. Yes, uh, what we are fundamentally interested is in is choices and people making choices and people making the choices that are best for them and best for their families and best for uh, the other people that they engage with. But we also kind of want to look at how um, both culture and the state limit those choices and push people into situations where they're making choices they wouldn't otherwise. So I, I really want to thank you for spending some time with me because I think it's important that people think about these things beyond what they hear on the cable television channels to give this a little bit more thought to some of these important issues. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I, I very much agree. It's all about that conversation. It's all about hearing where people are and meeting where the, meeting them where they're at and being compassionate, I think, and understanding, uh, you know, I think we're all trying to build a better world and, you know, having some humility about that. Thank you again. I really appreciate the opportunity to spend a little time with you. Thank you. For those who want to learn more, a link to the Feminists for Liberty website is provided in the show notes. Kat is also a presence on Facebook, and you can learn more about her work there. In the meantime, please share this episode. Spread the word about our little podcast. Subscribe and do the iTunes thing. Leave a review, which for some reason is a rarity and is really appreciated. And tune in soon for a new episode of So Important. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon.